0: Good morning. We'll be going, continuing through the book of Luke. We'll be in chapter 4, starting in verse 31. So, continuing through the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 31. Um, we've been going through and we've been looking at the gospel of Luke, which is a little different because it's not a firsthand account. Luke is kind of done an investigation if you would, into the person of Jesus Christ, and almost is like building a case. And um, as we've looked at it, we've kind of seen the witnesses. We've seen the witness of John the Baptist on who Jesus was, and Mary and Joseph, and and very much God at at his uh, baptism and him speaking out. And um, we've seen Jesus come up against temptation, and respond with the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word to that. And um, we've looked at him, him being full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Word, and then even going to his hometown where where they really rejected him in a sense. Um, the ones who should have known him the most and been most the most open because they were familiar with him, they weren't able to receive him. And so... From that, he continues to minister in the area of Galilee. And we're going to see him in the area of Capernaum today. And really, today, we see almost like um, the witness of his authority and power. If we're going to look at this, we're going to see the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, fully man and fully God, as Luke looks at him, being fully man. And as we go through, you'll see Luke the doctor bring out a couple things that, you know, um, a doctor's just going to pay attention to or, or point out, if you would. I mean, you can kind of tell when people tell a story the, the details they give, you know, and Luke definitely throws those in. I mean, if I'm trying to explain where something is and I tell you, yeah, it's got a dimensional shingle roof on it that's red, you'd be like, what? But, you know, somebody with no roofing or construction would understand, oh, gambrel, mansard, whatever the terminology. And Luke, it's interesting how, I don't know, I like it how you see who these people are, God knowing who they are, and uses them. And when they share stuff, the little details they pull out. And so let's pray for the word this morning. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you um, just how awesome you are and amazing you are, and that we get to just come and hear from you. God, and that you do have power over all creation and authority over all creation. And we can just take joy and rest in that. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, um, yeah, let's get going here. I'm so, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I I truly enjoy um, just being here, being able to serve you guys and serve alongside you guys. I don't know if any, you know, let you guys... uh, know that I mean now it's I don't know two months being a senior pastor or so and it's it's not a job you know and the opportunities to come up and and share and um, encourage and you know counsel whatever you want to call it and direct you guys to the Holy Spirit and see God work and see his authority and power and how sufficient that is has been a total blessing Um, just to let you guys know I mean I I come here I sit and I worship I go man this is family this is home I like being here you know the rest of the stuff. I don't know about you guys. This week just seemed like a ton of distractions. You work and you got to get this done, and I'm like trying to get work done so I can switch gears for Sunday. And and it's just like, man, it's here, then it's going to be gone, and then Monday comes, unfortunately. But so, anyways, I figured I'd just let you guys know that, and just enjoy being here with you guys. You guys are family. And so, um, so we're going to look at the power and the authority of God's word, and we're going to see the power kind of over evil. We're going to see power over sickness. We're going to see power in in his word and teaching. And really I kind of wanted to look at that a little. When you you think of God's word and teaching as he teaches in the synagogues and as we saw before and, and teaching it's kind of interesting. Verse 31 it says he went down to Capernaum to the city of Galilee and was teaching on the Sabbath and they were astonished at his teaching for his word was with authority. Now Back then, the synagogues were very dry. We kind of went over the order of service. There would have been a blessing that was done that they would have all memorized, and there was about another 18 blessings, and then they would chettle the law and the prophets and have a reading, and and then somebody would expound on the prophets, and most of the time they would say, you know, such and such halal thinks it's this and this, and there was no um, authority with the teaching in a sense of, no, we're sure this is the word of God. This is what it says. It was more, well, there's people's opinion. And, you know, it'd be like, uh, you know, I, me sitting up here go, well, I read a commentary and he thought the word of God said this and this one and that one. And actually, if you guys do study commentaries, you'll realize sometimes they're all over the place. And, and some of these guys go ch- chasing rabbits and depending on the you know the air they're on they, they kind of get off on their own thing, but the Word of God is still really the Word of God. what it says is still there and um, so it 's kind of interesting where it was said i mean there there there's books out there that said basically uh, the synagogues at this time the services were dry as dust, and so that that's that's kind of uh, um, it's interesting, I mean, they called the service dry as dust back then. You know, that's not like a, oh man, this he was so dry. No, this is something that's been going on as a, a term or a way of ascribing a service that's bad or, or dead for years. This is like dry as dust. I mean, um, and, and that's how most of the synagogues were. It was a re- ritual, it was religion. And so they come in and then you have now Jesus. So you have... The, the I'm sure all the rumors going about about him, he's going to be at the synagogue. This has got to probably be the most exciting things to be happening in synagogues in hundreds of years, you know. And they come in on the Sabbath, which is on Saturday. Now, if that's exactly the Saturday on our calendar or not, doesn't matter. They came in on sa- Saturday, as the Jews were. We meet on Sunday, which was the first day of the week. This would be your Monday. In Jewish culture, Sunday would be your Monday. So just be happy that in our culture we work... Five days generally, and take two off. They worked six and took one off. So, you know, enjoy the two-day weekend here in a sense. But, you know, thanks to the church, right? Because they started meeting on Sunday. So there goes Monday. Now, it's just interesting. You think, you know, how the bad rap Monday has—that was actually a Sunday rap. But, anyways, it's kind of interesting. So they met on the Sabbath, as that was custom. And when he taught, he had taught. His teaching was with, with his words were with authority. And of course, Jesus is going to have authority on the Word of God. Why? Because as we know in John, He is the Word that became flesh, right? If anybody could say, hey, this is what it means, it's Jesus. We go back to the Bible, we go to the New Testament. Why? Because we're looking, what did the Bible say? What did Jesus say? What was written down? What did the Holy Spirit say to give authority? And so He's teaching, and they're astonished at His authority, which which they should be. And it's interesting... Because you look and go, okay, that's Jesus. But do we have that same authority? See, for hundreds of years in the Old Testament, none of these people had authority because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have God dwelling in them. When we come to the Scripture, and I, I love it when I'm studying and preparing, and I can look at things and God speaks through His Holy Spirit, where I can speak with authority, going, No, I know what the Holy Spirit. I know what God's saying through this text. I can teach it with confidence. And, and, and you see that in many situations. Um, there are situations where you ever see a, a young kid, and he, he's sitting there, and he's got some, I mean, I, I try to remember, there was this um, one roof we were working on, and the guy was a Jewish rabbi in Big Brother, vacation homes, a Jewish rabbi, and, and we were working on the roof, and um, one of the young guys with me was a newer believer, and as I'm working on the roof, I hear him sitting there. And the guy goes, you know, the Jewish guy throws out some, you know, thought, oh, I'll just cut down Christianity real quick. And this guy, kid's just responding like, no, this is what the scripture means. You got a Jewish rabbi here that studies the scripture, and you got this young guy who's been in church six months, and he's pulling out Old Testament going, no, see, that speaks of Jesus here. And you see this, and that's why he fulfilled it. You know, and he's speaking with authority, and this guy was like put back. And I can see him, and I'm like, I don't want to upset him. We've got to finish his roof and not get kicked off the job, you know. But, you know, you see these things, and, and, and it amazes me even how young people can be full of the Holy Spirit and many times speak with authority through the power of the Holy Spirit in that area. And, and even when we go out and we share the gospel, there's so many times you run into people in there they're there and you're sitting there and you can speak with authority going, no, this is truth. I can tell you this is truth. This is the word of God. You can rely on it. You know, this is my testimony of what God's done. You know, I'm not a great Bible scholar at all, but all I know is I was this way. God came in, he radically changed my life and he's alive. You know, it's, it's funny when people go, well, how do you know God's real? And it's like, How do I explain? I mean, that's like saying, how is air real? I mean, it's every day I'm breathing it, it's alive, it's real, I mean, you know, it's so, some hard times it's like, it's not like I'm trying to convince you, I just don't know how to put this huge, um, overwhelming knowledge that runs through, it's like the blood in my veins. How, How do I put that in a simple explanation for you? I can't. And so it's interesting when you go out and we share, we can speak with authority. And the world likes to question all this stuff. You you run into it. Well, well, maybe this was that really right or really wrong, you know? And you think about well, you, you think about authority. Well, who has authority? Where's authority given from? Okay, who gave our government authority? Right, our government has authority over you. They can put you in jail. On this. Well, who who decided they get to have authority? Well, you know, it was all the way back at the Constitution. And they said, well, we're, we have this law, but we have this law because we have the right from God to give this law. It's interesting. Our country was founded on the authority of God and his word, you know, and, and, and they didn't have a problem with it. Nowadays, they'll say, oh, you know, you came from monkeys, and if you came from monkeys, then who has authority and where does it come from? You know, you don't want to take a class of 35 kids and tell, you, tell them survival of the fittest. That might not work out too well for you, you know. <laughs> I've always kind of chuckled at those things. Where you know, where does morality come from if there's no God? And authority comes from God in that sense. And so, as we look at this, and Jesus is teaching with authority and speaking with authority, and we have that same authority through the Holy Spirit as he guides and gives it to us. And now in verse 33 it says, Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon I don't know of any clean ones, but an unclean demon you now like a double negative and he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone what do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? did you not come to destroy or did you not come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now don't be surprised there's a demon in church. I mean there's a demon in synagogue here, right? What an interesting scene and, and the funny thing is, we don't see the Jewish people or the synagogue people freaking out or reacting like, oh, this is an uncommon thing. Actually, they had uh, a rituals or plans on, on um, like, ceremonies they had laid out to try to deal with demons. And, and I, how successful they were or weren't, I don't know. But, I mean, they, you know, they'd call on the name of Solomon, and they, they had things that went on days trying to help demon-possessed people, the Jewish people did. And so this wasn't like totally uncommon to them, you know, and, and it's, they were used to it in a sense, and so this guy cries out, and so you can imagine the service, everybody's, you know, pictured on what Jesus is saying, and then suddenly you get this loud, not a quiet voice, this loud voice of this person yelling out, right? And let us alone. You know, you, you look at what this the, the demon's saying. Let us alone. Like, hey, just leave us alone. Go away. What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? You know, Named after the place where they didn't want to have anything to do with him. You know, did you not come to destroy us? And so the demon knows what's going on. He knows the, the situation. He knows what his end is. I, I know you're coming to destroy us at a point. You're going to, you know, we're going to be done. They know the truth. Calls him the Holy One of God and it's kind of interesting when you look at it now, I think in our culture, if you go, okay, do you see demon possessed people? I think we sanitize it. There's medications, there's all kinds of things we do around it to where the yes theres could be truly demon possessed people i've we, I've ran into it. we've prayed for some people here where you know they went from speaking to us in the third person to speaking to us in the first person, you know, and it was it took a minute to figure out it sounded like we're talking to two people now. You know, I'd, I'm not, you know, as we go through, we'll see how Jesus deals with them. It's very simple. We don't need a huge ceremony or thing to deal with, with just evilness and even the demons in this area. It's amazing, though, I believe when you see a lot of things, especially some of the things you see in third world countries and everything, it seems like it's more active other places. And I'm not big on you know, getting into, oh, let's go hunt down demons or nothing. But in other places, you do see more of this kind of stuff. And I think a lot of it is, I think Satan's fine with us sanitizing it, kind of keeping it to the side, right? If you saw people running around possessed by demons, what does that mean? Well, what are demons? Spirits. Okay. So wait a minute. If they're spirits, then what happens to you after you die in your spirit? Oh, we might have to think that there might be an afterlife. There might be death. There might be a spiritual world. I think we're very much in a culture where we don't want to even acknowledge that exists, right? There is no afterlife. Let's let's just—it's not coming. And, and and if there is an afterlife, we're gonna—it's a long ways off. You have plenty of time. I think it's probably one of the biggest lies is—is is, you know not telling us oh. You know, there's no sin, or, oh, there's no judgment, or, oh, there's no, you know, eternal life. It's just, hey, don't worry about it. You don't, you know, it's way away, it's, you know. That, you don't got to worry about that now in your life. That, that's, you know, that's our culture, I mean, or, or, you know, especially in the United States. I always joke around about, you know, our culture is like the laser dot. You get a cat, and you start running that little laser dot around, and that cat will chase it everywhere. Yeah, it's our culture. Put shiny new out, and there goes us in our culture chasing after it, you know. We'll be so distracted for years, you know. It's the new this or the new that. And so it's kind of interesting, and, and we see how Jesus deals with us. Look with me how Jesus simply deals with it. It says, the, verse 35 says, But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And the demon... And, uh, and when the demon had thrown him into their mist, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Now, can you picture this? So this, this guy stands up, starts screaming out with a loud voice. Jesus simply responds in a whole ritual, no candles, no nothing. Just says, come out and be quiet and come out of him. And it says, the demon came out, but it threw him down in their midst. I, I don't know what that looks like. Synagogues are pretty big spaces, Right? This, this particular one had a good-sized floor plan in it. Okay? So it threw him down. And, and, and not just like he fell down. I mean, it threw him down enough to where, Dr. Luke says what? Threw him down, and it didn't hurt him. If I fell off the stage, you'd be like, eh. but if you got threw him 30 feet, you'd go, wow. He went flying across the room, landed on the ground, and didn't get hurt. So it sounds like this pretty, I mean, I the scene is like, some of those movies you watch, right? they must have pulled their script from somewhere. How do we look at, let's look at the Bible to figure out what demons do. I mean, this is pretty freaky, right? And your head's spinning around, green vomit, I don't know. But, you know, you're going have some of these visual pictures. So this is, you know, comes down and it goes out of him, you know? And, and so you have this scene and Jesus just simply responded. And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word is this, for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they came out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. So now this, the news of this is going out, and you'll see the result of that news is they bring people that are demon-possessed to him, going, hey, let's solve this. And it's amazing, though, they're sitting there, I can speak with authority, and I could say, hey, um, you, know, you know, I'm a roofer, and... And I can tell you all about how to make a roof not leak. But until I actually put on a roof that doesn't leak, it doesn't matter, does it? All I am is a good salesman. Jesus is sitting here speaking the word with authority, and then he backs it up with action. Right? I, I have not just power to have authority to say what's right and wrong here, but I have power over evil. I have power over these demons, the spiritual world. I can speak, and they respond. They respect me. I have power over all creation. And so when you when you see that the power of that then you go wow I can trust it and 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 that really is a witness of who Jesus is. He wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just you know a good prophet, a good man. He had power and authority. And so verse 38 it says now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house but Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever and made, they made a request for him concerning her. So where the synagogue sits in Capernaum, they they actually pretty accurately from everything we can tell, Simon's house Simon Peter's house was right across the way. Okay, And so after this, after he's done teaching in this event, he goes, still in the synagogue, across the street into their house, and, and they're asking him, hey, my mother-in-law's sick, she has a fever, can, you know, they're, they're requesting. And I think that's um, important to notice. I mean, it's a fever, okay? And of course, fevers back then were probably more scary than now, because lack of antibiotics and stuff. But at the same time, you sit here and, and, and you, you wonder, I mean, I was in the school ministry, and we were going through Greek sentences, and there was so much homework that you had to go through and translate these sentences into English, and I had set my alarm to get up at 3 a.m. or whatever, and I was going to get like four hours of sleep, but I had to get it done, and somehow I messed up my alarm. I don't know if I put it a.m. or p.m., and so I'm waking up late, and I'm going, God, why did you... out of, you're God of the universe. Couldn't you just made my alarm go off on time so I could have got these done? i deal without sleep. I need to get these done. And so I go there, first semester class, to sit through, and then we have Pat was teaching the Greek class, and he sits. And actually, Chris was first. You guys know Chris. So he starts translating his the sentences. Then I'm up next, and Pat pauses and goes, you know what? We're going to save these for next time. We're just going to take some time and just pray this morning. I'm thinking after, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, so I didn't, I, I didn't get back backwards on homework, so I didn't lose any time, and God allowed me to sleep in. He knew I needed to sleep, I mean, right? And I'm just sitting there going, wow, oh, that's such an amazing thing. another, one of the teachers came down and says, Tim, you I, he, I don't know, this probably ain't good. He came out of Tim. He seemed deep in thought, you know, so I guess it doesn't happen often enough for him to notice, but I just realized, but, and I said, well, I was just, you know, this and this. I'm just totally amazed my, God didn't make my alarm go off, and I got to sleep, and I mean, it's just such a little thing with some sleep that God was, you know, there and loving in it. And he, and he just makes he goes, so, Tim, what's a big thing and a little thing for God? If the moon's out of orbit and it's heading towards the Earth and you're all-powerful, is that an issue? No. okay. If you've got a rock in your shoe and you're walking down the street and it bothers you, is that a big issue? No. None of those things are a big issue to God, but sometimes we'll just go, oh, that's not worth praying about. I'm not going to pray about this little thing bothering me or this little issue. God wants our request. If you're a father and something's bothering your child, you would love to be able to meet that request. And so I love the fact that they're sitting there and they're making a request of him concerning her. And so in verse 39 it says, And so he stood over her, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. So she's there, and he speaks to the fever. I mean, we know now there's actually viruses or some kind of bacteria he's speaking to. There's a created thing, right? It's not, you know, back then they didn't know what he was speaking to, you know? He speaks to this fever, and it goes, and And I'm sure Dr. Luke's sitting here, and, and he gives us this account you know, this this day is actually in three Gospels. It's repeated in three Gospels. So it's kind of important in that sense that God really wanted us to hear this. But immediately, it leaves her. Luke, Dr. Luke sitting here and goes, okay, rebukes a fever, and there isn't a recovery time. Like, boom, you're done. You could heal me immediately. There's going to be some recovery time. I don't know about you guys. The day after you're sick, you feel like you're kind of in a fuzz or a zombie still, you know? No, immediately she arose. And immediately... She serves them, and at first, I mean, I kind of think, wow, that kind of was, I mean, my first thought, I don't know about you guys, I thought, oh, that's selfish, you know, you know what I mean? You go in the restaurant, where's the waiter? Ah, oh, she's busy. She's sick. Oh, let me heal her so she can get over. I mean, that's kind of how I saw this effort. i I'm like, well, that's very convenient, Lord. Oh, he'll, you know, but he was requested. He lovingly healed her, but it's not like he required it. You know, and I, I was thinking of this as, as we are going. She, she responded by serving him. And um, later on in Luke, Luke 17, uh, turn with me real quick to Luke 17, verse 11. We're going to look at another story where Jesus heals people, and, and we see kind of a right response to God healing someone. And, and of course, it comes from an area where most wouldn't have expected a foreigner, uh, a Samaritan. but Luke 17 verse 11 says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus was traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, ten men happened, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So when he saw them, he said, "Go show yourselves to the priest." And they, as and as they went, they were cleansed. So as they're traveling to the priest to go show themselves, which there was a whole ritual, and and days of watching, and, and you would have to observe them for so many days to make sure they were clean. There was a whole pattern laid out in the Old Testament for the cleaning of leps for for when a leps- leprosy was healed, which was today isn't healable, which here in the Old Testament you have this whole thing, kind of cool, right? On how, what happens when somebody's healed from this. Well, guess what? Nobody's been healed of this and we can't heal it today, but Jesus could. So Jesus heals them, right? And so after this time one of them, just one of them, when they saw that he was healed, came back, praised God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were there not ten cleansed? Where did the other nine? Where are the other nine? He has no one returned to give me praise except the foreigner. Then he said to him, raise and go, your faith has made you well. And this faith has made you well, it's not talking physical. It's talking about his spiritual. It's talking about sin. Here is a correct response. He heals ten of them, one comes back and serves him. You know, and, and many, it's, it's interesting You see people, oh yeah, I want to be healed by God, I want to be free to sin, and this and that. And here, kill me in my addiction and stuff. But there isn't a correct response. God doesn't just want you to be healed. God, God was willing to heal these tens men, but his bigger concern was their spiritual condition. His bigger concern was a relationship. We see this when Jesus is walking through a crowd and there's a woman with an issue who touches his garment and is healed. He's going to bring somebody back from the dead. They're time sensitive. She's sick. Let's go. He pauses. Why does he pause when this, he feels the power left? Okay, so somebody got healed. Why was it important? He needed to call her out and say, who got healed? I mean, I didn't, I didn't authorize this. No, he knew what happened. He knew it was going to happen. Why he turned around is he wanted her to know him. He wanted that relationship, not just the healing. Jesus is always, his first ministry is teaching the word, sharing who he is, which teaching is truly what? It's not just words. It's words with authority that change a life, change a thought process. It affects us. Jesus wants to know us. And so, yes, he's a God of healing, definitely. But first and foremost, he wants to know you and have a relationship with you. And if anything, the healing is an area to where our hearts can be open to that, where he can reveal himself. He can reveal his heart in those things. And so in this, the one comes back for a relationship. How grievous. You know, he's like, where's the rest? He's not mad. We know Jesus' heart. He's sitting there, man, these other ten, that's it, I'm going to strike them again. No. He wanted a, a relationship. He wanted that more for them. And here, these people, what? He was the one foreigner. What? These other guys were what, Jews? They should have had a relationship with God. Right? Again, somebody should have known and should have been willing to come back, doesn't it? And so... Continue on, look with me, read with me in verse 40 here. It says, and when the sun was setting, all those who had any, any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Now it's interesting, so the news goes out and so people start bringing people with all kinds of stuff. And it says he healed some, no, it says he healed every one of them. And it's interesting, many times we see Jesus willing to heal many, but then other times we don't. We see him at a pulibus of of where there's many sick and we have the record of only one person being healed there. You know, and you look at it now, is Jesus any different today? No, we see Jesus can heal people, he does heal people, but yet at the other times he doesn't. And I think probably a lot more people are healed of things than we realize. More prayers are answered. You know, um, I don't know a couple months ago we were dealing with rats were coming in the house we were trying to get rid of them older house looking at reciting and everything and suddenly one morning we wake up we're not hearing the rats as much i think we heard one recently we're like oh we should have plugged the holes you know make sure they can't get back in but we prayed about it because the other thing was going on with the rats were these things called i think bird mites these little tiny little speck bugs that are like grains of salt that were in the house and they were biting Heidi and my daughter, and they're allergic to them, and they're breaking out, and it's like, you're looking at everything, and people are like, you know, yeah, 10 grand, you might get rid of them. You know, there's nothing that can really kill these things. And so you try stuff, and we literally prayed about it, going, God, we got a plague here, help us, guess what? It's been a while since we've gotten any bird mite bites at all. You know, and you just, we, it's like something we forgot about. We prayed about it, and it's not there. I mean, we're talking about moving right away because of them, and, don't tell anybody. No. <laughs> this house on the market has bird mites. No. I mean, you look at some of that stuff. And, and at the same time, it's interesting, though, you don't see the healing ministries, if you would, that you see out there with churches. I mean, you see Jesus, and they're thrombin' them, in, and crowds of people are coming. Crowds of people are coming. And, and number one, again, that's not God's primarily thing. God's more worried about healing heart and sin and eternal life as we're going to see more and more. But when you have this, I think it, I don't know about you guys, if you could heal anybody, you know, and, and again, every every gift is totally relying on the Holy Spirit and His working. But if you were raising people from the dead and all this, I don't know if we could handle it. The one guy I know of, that my sister knows well, um, and, and he's actually on the video you guys watched, um, It's online. Anyways, he's brought people back from the dead. And he, I love just the account my sister was giving him. He's sitting there, and he's being honest with her. He's sitting down, and he goes, yeah, so they call you, you know, this and that. And he goes, yeah. Do you really, you know, people go, oh, yeah, God calls you, and and he goes, it doesn't happen all the time. But you imagine sitting there with a dead body of some little girl or something, and you're praying, and it sits up. He goes, it scares me to death. I hate it. It freaks me out. Do you want to be put in that position? I'm sitting there praying this. You know what I mean? It just freaks him out. He's so humble about it, but at the same time, he, he, he's not like, woohoo! I got this gift and I'm gonna, you know. No, it's, he understands totally when God uses it in situations where he's at, but he goes, it's like, I'm not excited about it. You know, it sits there. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's like, um, there's certain gifting, you know. Uh, I love you guys, I love sharing the word, but I'm not excited about public speaking. I'm not, you know? And it really encourages me when I've heard of pastors. Uh, Rich Chafin talks about it. goes, I still shake when I get up there to teach. He's been doing it for 20-some years. Gives me comfort that, yeah, you're still worried about public speaking. Good, then I'm on the right boat still. I mean, isn't this supposed to, like, the jitters go away at a point? No, I mean, don't I not have to feel sick on a Sunday morning? I mean, no, it's just... Not something that comes easy, but it's awesome when the Holy Spirit's in it, and he's leading, I'm willing to do it, I'm going to serve, and everything else. Not to say, you know, not to say, it's just not something I would put on my number one thing to do. You know, if there, if, if it wasn't the Bible, there's no way I'd do it. Put me up here to speak about something, good luck. I mean, I just not, don't like doing it. And same thing, I mean, this guy, he's he's willing to obey when they do it, but the interesting thing here is here this guy has been used in this way in India several times where he's getting a, the, the nickname for it, and he's like, and I don't like doing it. It freaks me out. And I don't think you'd like it if you were doing it. I mean, it just, he goes, it's kind of scary, you know, you're sitting there praying, and you realize a person's sitting up next to you. <laughs> you know? You don't. So it's just interesting. I love hearing his story and how, you know, just the humbleness. Here, you look at the other exempt, you know, Benny Hinn. Ooh. I mean you talk about scary, right? Multiple crowds coming and who knows how much of what's going on and you know, he goes overseas. You ever see a picture of this guy when he's in Africa? And you got three hundred thousand people out front lined up to see him and you know the stuff going on and what he's he doing? He's what's he teach? You ever try to listen to something he's teaching? I can't understand what he's saying because it's so there's just nothing biblical there. What is it? Oh, it's a healing ministry. It's all about what? It's nothing about the word. It's nothing about sin. It's nothing about reality. It's a show. And you know, you see those things and I I wonder how much of a distraction that would be. You see how many times Jesus ended up having to leave because of popularity of the healing because he could no longer teach. You know? But God is a healing God and we should ask for healing. And I think a lot of times he does, more than we realize, we just kind of skip over it. I mean, we can probably sit here and go, well, there was that time in this situation. But there's also other times where he does not. You know, you guys know, I've been around, my wife has lupus, and it can be really hard at times. And one interesting question kind of came up this week, even before I was studying this. It was just a question as we were sitting and talking. And the question was, okay, we know we've dealt with this. And God's using us in a way, and we're seeing him use us in a way because of these things we learned from going through this. Do you think if we didn't have to struggle through this health issue that God didn't allow it, which he clearly allowed it? Okay, Heidi's made it very clear. One of the couple times God's only given her an audible voice was to stop praying for healing, not the answer you want. We request, but God might say no. God heal me of this, and God can lovingly say no. But as we look at it, the things it's produced in our life, I man, I am I'm not, I'm I'm a much better husband because of it. I have to slow down and take care of my wife. I would have gone 100 miles per hour. She used to joke that she would have to dress up like a truck to get my attention. You know, I'd I'd be out under a car and come home, and she'd see my feet, and that'd be it. I mean. God has used and allowed it, and we've sat down and go. The scary thought is, it, it has taught us so much. It's you don't want to admit it. This hard thing has taught us this much. Would you trade it? Would we? Would we even be the same people? Would we even be where we're at spiritually if we didn't? Man, it, it's a scary thought to realize. Man, you know the thing that we've prayed away and wished away and cried about. And spent many nights up about, might, to realize, like, no, this could have been a, this has been a really, God's really used it for good. Even though it's hard and horrible and everything else, God's really used it for good. And I'm hoping I don't got to learn much more good now. <laughs> like, uh, what's the next thing, Lord? You know, but God's given us the strength through it, and you look at it, and it's a scary, it's like a question I answered, asked, and we both didn't want to answer, really. It's like, I don't want to admit that God really is using this and this was important, because it isn't fun. And so many times we we can ask, and God, God, yes, does heal, but other times he does not heal. Why do you think he didn't heal? Because he wanted to grow us spiritually. He wanted to change something in us so greatly that that had to be there. He allowed it for a good purpose. And so... It's just interesting, you know, there's another account, you know, and and as we look on here, and and you see these demons, and they're sitting there, and look with me at verse 41, let's just go, And, and it says, and demons also came out of many, crying out, saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he rebuked them, and he didn't allow them to speak, for he knew for they knew that he was a Christ. They knew he was a son of God. So he's healing people. So you have people with illnesses are getting healed. You have other people that are demon-possessed. And I mean, some people say, oh, illnesses, demons, and all that. No, well, these look like two different things. You know, um, you get some people into, oh, you got to name the demon, and all. all, there's so many things in our culture when it comes to this and healing that people get all funky. What I love is, Jesus never seemed to heal people the same way in the Bible. Why? Because we would have been doing that as a step. One time he rebukes them out. The next time, he's just telling them, come out, don't allow them. Other times, the disciples come to him and go, hey, we got this kid, he's still possessed and all this and this and this, and, and they're asking, hey, why weren't we able to cast this demon out in your name? And he goes, well, because that one, you needed to pray and fast. Here's, here's a different thing. You need to pray and fast, which means what? You need to seriously seek me for help on this one. Why? Because we don't know how. The answer is God has the power and the authority, and so we need to be plugged into him. That's how you deal with sickness. That's how you deal with demons. That's how you deal with anything. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about morning devotions. What are morning devotions? It's a magical word, and it just happened. No. Morning devotions is spending time in God's word, and it's opening it up, and it's you know, ripping your soul open, and God dealing with things and changing your life. It's healing you spiritually. It's powerful. The Holy Spirit speaks in there. And he can heal you physically when you're praying about things in the morning and he can heal, heal attacks and everything else if you're willing to do that. That's, you know, you know, if you want to grow, I don't know how well you guys have been in it and doing devotions. That's the spot. You have issues in your life you still need to grow, keep in the devotions. Keep in your word. Leave that out there again. Because I, we've seen it. We've seen it working. We've, we've um, shared with people. When we counsel with people, that's the main thing. You need to get in the Word every day. And guess what? I'm not worried about you guys getting in the Word. You know why? Because the Word of God, it's full of the Holy Spirit. It's with authority. I don't think you're going to come back with some crazy off-the-wall doctrine. I know the Holy Spirit and God's going to deal with your issues better than I could ever I mean, it seems like, okay, that's an easy way out of, you know, I got this problem. Well, go read your Bible and pray every day. Yeah, it is an easy way. It's the only answer, though. It's the only real answer that has power to change a life. And so here we see them, and they're they're there. They're against it. It's interesting. You can go, I I question, why didn't Jesus allow him to speak, or why didn't he even allow him to get that out, right? You're the son of God. Why do you even let him go that far? My mind goes there, we don't really have an answer of what. What's interesting, though, is do you understand what they do say? These demons, number one, their free will choice is done. They've made their choice. They know where they're going. They know there's a designated time when the Messiah is coming, and they're going to be bound. The second coming, they know what's going to happen. Oh, well, What do you came? You came to destroy us? You know, they're not even playing games Right? I mean, you think if a demon was, he's not trying to, they're not trying to spiel out fake doctrine. They're not, oh, he's a fraud in the audience. They're not doing any of this. They, they know there's no playing games. They know what the truth is. They know what their time is. I mean, I was thinking, shoot, if you were a demon in this situation, you're in the crowd, wouldn't you try to discredit Jesus or come up with, the last thing you would say is, he's the son of God, right? No. They know there's no playing around. It's done. They understand his authority so much that, You know, it's not like you guys when you get pulled over. Well, it was really, you know, my speedometer might be off a little. Did that sign really say 55? I mean, no, there's no playing around. I know I'm in trouble. This is it. And so I just want to know what's going to happen and how quick. Is is today the day you're throwing us in? Is is this the end today? I know, you know, they don't have any debate of who's judging them and where that power comes. The only Jesus they are going to know is what? The judge, the Lion of Judah, who's going to condemn them. You know what I mean? It's just interesting. Their response when you really look at it, it's, it's amazing because they're just dead on us. They, they, they know they have to be dead honest. There's no playing games. And so it's kind of interesting, and you look at that, but I wanted to look at another scripture when it came to demons, just, just to, to look at some things. Look at Acts 19, Acts chapter 19, verse uh, 14. I'm going to turn over there real quick because this is important. Acts nineteen verse fourteen says: Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did also. And the evil spirits answered and said to Jesus, "To said, Jesus, I know and Paul, I know, but who are you?" And the man whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So you have a priest. They hear, hey, the new magic potion to deal with demons is this. I cast you out in the name of Jesus or in Paul, because that's how they're doing it, right? But they had no Jesus. They had no relationship. They had no power. And what happened? Bad day, Right? bad day if you're casting out demons that that this we thought we had it for sure we had the right wording down and everything else the how is not important the how is not important as much as the who if you are in relationship with jesus if you're full of the holy spirit and you're in that you're going to have the power to deal with whatever comes your way we don't need to sit here and have a class on how do you deal how do you heal people or how do you you know cast demons out or how do we do this. No. When you come up to that situation and you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to know how to deal with it. The main thing is you got to have Jesus. You got to be full of the Holy Spirit. You got to be current. That's it. It's simple like in Sunday school what's the answer? Jesus. That's what it comes down to when you look at stuff, you know, in ministry, and when family, when these things come at you, and people suddenly approach you, right? When things go wrong, they call you then, right? When they're having a good time, they don't want to talk to you, you're convicting. But you know what? Now, such and such is in a hospital, or aunts in the hospital, you're around family. Be in the Word, be full of the Holy Spirit, and God will give you the words to say. Now, honestly, sometimes that's hard to overcome, If you're sitting there and somebody's asked you to come in or family or special or something, you're at the hospital, are you willing to sit there and look at the person in the bed and say, arise in the name of Jesus, be healed? Come on, some of you guys work at a hospital. You don't do that in every bed, right? (laughs) You know, but for me, it's a stretch. I'm not used to it. We've seen so many things done poorly and wrong where it's off. But what is God willing to do? Am I open to the Holy Spirit saying that? Or I'm just closed off. See, and we can do that with many areas in our lives and His power and authority in our lives. Okay, just as scary, are you willing to share the gospel with somebody? You know, oh, wait a minute. I don't know if I really want to bring this up. Well, are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Because sometimes it might not be. Sometimes you help somebody out and you simply say nothing. You just show it with action. You love on them. And you go down the road. Other times... You're sitting there and you know it. I don't know how many of you guys have sat there and you're like pacing in your mind. I'm supposed to say something. I'm supposed to say something. And then when you don't, you feel like, man, I got to go hunt that person down. I, I disobeyed. You guys have know the Holy Spirit. You know how he speaks. Same thing. You know, I'm just praying after going through this and teaching it and he doesn't send me to a hospital because that's going to be stretching for me. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, that'd be a little more stretching to be bold in a situation like that. Not to say God hasn't done that, not to say I haven't prayed. You know, I like the easy out God, whatever your will is, Lord. Including raising him from the dead. No, I mean... But, you know, I think the, the brother in India, I think his main thing was he reads the Bible and believes it. So God says, I'll pray. If they God, you want to raise him from the dead, do it. Then it happens, and it freaks him out. You know? Okay, Lord, do what you want to do. And so we need to just be open to that. The amazing thing is God has a power over death, life, all these diseases, all these illnesses. And so be willing to ask and then be willing to receive the answer, whatever it is as well. It can be a very hard answer when he says no sometimes. You go, I don't know why, God, I don't see the good in this. And he goes, you won't, but you got to trust me. You know, many times I've looked at things that I don't understand the whys of God, but I do understand the who of God. God is loving, God is caring. God desires these things for me so I can rest in that. You know, and and when things go bad and when things aren't right, it's because I'm usually not plugged into the source. I'm not in his word. I don't have the power from the word of God. So look with me at verse 42. It says, and now it was day and he departed and went into a desert place and the crowd sought after him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving. And Mark, it says, in the same account says, now in the morning having risen long before the daylight came up. So he went out and prayed. He departed to pray. So we know when he got up and he went out and this time, he got up the next day early. Seems like he had a busy day before, right? Of ministry. And got up. And so, you know, sometimes you're serving God and everything else and it's draining, spiritually draining. You need to spend time. The best thing for you to do is to get up early the next morning and go out and read the Bible. Go out read, go out, pray, get refilled by the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? Sometimes you serve and it's like you walk away from serving it's like I just need to take a nap and I'm done. So, I, you know, this is what Jesus did. I'd suggest you do it. Not to say I've ever have. But no, <laughs> you look at it and go get up early in the morning and go pray. You know, usually the next day after I'm like you know, you serve and it's a long day I'm thinking okay, how do I make sure I don't have to get up early? That job, yes, Supply house, uh, hopefully, is going to take longer. We'll just send the guys there. I can send them there. I can probably get another hour in bed. You know, not another hour so I can get up and pray and get refilled with the Holy Spirit. But even Jesus was pulling back. He was going back to that source. He was spending time with the Father. He was spending time in the Word. This life where you're serving, where you can be used in many ways and sensitive to the Holy Spirit requires... Jesus was doing morning devotions. He was going out, doing morning devotions, and he was plugged in. And in verse 43 it says, But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. It's interesting, though, It's like, here this question comes, right? Where do you think he got that answer from? Maybe praying that morning before the crowd got to him? Right? I don't know, you know, I'm definitely not Jesus, but if you think there's a whole crowd of people and they want to keep you teaching, why would you go start somewhere else, right? This is going good. And we many times see when it looks like things would be going good and you're praying and seeking and God says, no, he sends them somewhere else. Sends them somewhere else. Because he is after the will of the Father. But it's interesting when you look at these things, being plugged in and, and being willing to be healed. But again, healing and is not God's primarily concern. Casting out a demon isn't even his primary concern. His concern is that you end up saved. There's times he casts out demons, they come right back. Why? Because a person, no relationship, nothing came back. He doesn't want to just free people from sin, but he also wants to have that relationship with him and with us. Um, Matthew, uh, in Matthew 1.6, I think it says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown down into the deeps of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses for offenses must must come but woe to the man by whom the offenses comes verse 8 if your hand causes you to sin cut it off cast it from you it is better that you enter into life or eternal life maimed or lame rather than to have two hands and two feet to be cast into everlasting fire and if your eye causes you to sin pluck it out cast it from you, it is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than two eyes and be cast into hell fire. I don't know of another verse that says, hey, maybe God ain't going to heal you than that. What's his most important concern? If God restore my health. Why? So I cannot pay attention to you and I'm going to go seek after my own? No. And there. You know, you look at things and you look at areas... and and stuff, and go, God, why do you allow this hardship in this person's life? Because it's good for them, and it's going to save them from hell. You know? You you look at that. God's so much more concerned about your character, your growth spiritually than your physical. So be open to His power. Be open to healing. Not to say we run around focusing on it, but don't be closed off to it because that's one extreme, right? Oh, we're not going to pray for healing for anything. We're not going to seek it. And then the other extreme is seeking that, and that's all your relationships based on is what God's going to do. How can he heal? I say, yeah, you know what? Here, let's focus on healing. We should be a healing ministry, the healing of the heart and the mind, to see changed lives, to see people seeking God and seeing Him. Yeah, we want to have a healing ministry. Forget the arms. Forget the legs. Let's talk about eternal life healing, the power over death, Right. Well, forget about raising people from the dead. You know, if you're say, if I'm, I'm, I, you, if you guys are raising me from the dead, I'm going to have problems. I know where I'm going. Sorry, hon, but I'm gone. I'm gone. Leave me there. <laughs> Don't bring me back. Now, if I'm not saved, pray somebody comes back to life that they may be saved, so they go to eternal life. That's much more important, isn't it? So, dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you just for your power and your authority, God. We pray that you'd just have full authority over our lives and our hearts. That you'd be able to reign, Father, without reserve in our hearts. That we'd allow your Holy Spirit just to seek us, change us, and heal us. And use us just to share your love with others, God. And if that's through signs and wonders that they are able to know you, that it brings down the walls in their heart, that they would know you as their Lord and Savior, God, we pray you do that. We pray you just... Open the doors up. Open the doors for this fellowship to continue just to share the gospel with the lost and those who are hurting. God, we want to be used by you. We don't want to just take up time and space, God. We're we're glad you're changing us and you're growing us, but we also desperately just want to be used. We want to see the miraculous of people's lives going from eternal darkness into eternal light. We just thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are this just who you are in our lives, God, and just bless our weeks, protect us, and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.